Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of October 6th, 2020, and this is episode number 453, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. October 6th, yeah, we're uh, just a couple of weeks away, a few weeks away, I guess, what, uh, three weeks away? I'm guessing, yeah, from... Halloween, and uh, one one week or one month closer to getting out of 2020. I, I've just about had it. I, I don't even know what to say about 2020 anymore. I was uh, heading home today. I worked a little late, worked over, and kind of worked through taking any sort of break at work. And it, I, I don't know. I guess I, I didn't hear the news uh, during... Uh, my lunch either that uh, famed guitar legend Eddie Van Halen passed away today from cancer, which is still sinking in. I mean, everybody knew, uh, you know, he's been battling cancer for a long time. You knew it was coming. But it's just, uh, for me, just it's just amazing. You know, I just, I remember uh, early memory of listening to my, my parents talk about people who were dying and they're just like, wow, you know, I grew up with that person. It's you know, I never really thought about it, and now it's hitting me. You know, remember uh, being 11 years old and, and hearing uh, 1984 the first time. I just gave my age away, but man, just uh, just a huge loss. And this year just keeps kicking you uh, and over and over again. But we shall get through this together, and uh, hopefully, this show has uh, brought a little bit of. I don't know about normalcy, but at least a distraction, if anything else. I hope I can do that for you at least one hour out of the week for you guys. I know it. it uh, my life uh, hasn't changed too much. I've been working the whole time, and I'm not complaining. You know, I'm very fortunate for that, even though I'm out in the, the front lines of things. But uh, I know some people have struggled in different ways with, uh, with this COVID-19. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's just uh, I don't I don't even know what to say. I mean, we all deal with it, so we all know what's going on. But uh, tonight we've got some interesting news. We got some controversial news. I don't know. Sometimes it seems like October brings a little demon out of me. I guess uh, I like to stir the pot around October. And tonight we're going to talk some I don't know some a couple of topics that I think you'll find uh, a little controversial. Uh, we're going to talk citing statistics. We're going to talk about MUFON's citing statistics. And we're going to talk a little bit about the future of MUFON. We'll also talk about, uh, is there really an increase in UFO sightings? Is there really? We see all these stories all over the place. I read uh, about three or, three or five or more a day. Every state in the United States is talking about having increase in UFO sightings. But is it really happening? Little, little controversial there. We'll get into some controversy with that. But the big controversial thing later on in the show, we're going to talk about probably the number one most controversial thing in the paranormal, uh, probably the ghost field. Of course, it's the ghost field. That's the most controversial thing. But within that, no, it's not about turning lights off and on. But don't get me started on that topic. Uh, it's... Uh, what I call Ouija boards. I know a lot of people say Ouija. I don't know why, but uh, we'll talk about Ouija boards and maybe talk about Ouija boards. I don't know. Uh, but uh, there's some controversy in the paranormal community, and I'm going to ask you later on how you feel about that. But I'm going to tell you uh, how I'll feel about it and give you a little bit of uh, a little bit on both sides here, just to kind of keep things. In the center of things, uh, question in chat, am I rejoining MUFON? Don't have any plans. Uh, they keep trying to bribe me to come back. I really don't. Uh, as long as I get the MUFON sighting statistics, I really don't have any use for them right now. 
uh, not to be mean about it, but uh, I don't know. With everything going on with them politically, uh, I don't know how much longer they'll be around, but we'll talk about that. And uh, appreciate you in the chat room. Rick, I love the Ouija board, too. I have a keychain. Uh, I've used them plenty of times, and I'm still alive. Of course, those uh, demons that are hanging around in my bedroom, I don't know. I, I think they were going to be there anyway. Wow, it's poking me in the back. Stop, Mr. Demon Man. Anyway, yeah, we'll talk about... I even did one uh, a Ouija board session live on the air a few years ago. Uh, it was one of our Halloween specials. We did it live on the air. Nobody got hurt. Nothing burned down. Uh, we thought we had uh, uh, Houdini on the line for a second, but uh, no, we did. We thought we did. We got fooled by a demon, of course. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk Ouija boards. And uh, just announced today, before I get started into uh, cryptid news tonight, I want to give a little announcement that I read today. Uh, next year, thank goodness, we flipped the calendar pretty soon, a couple months, but who's counting? Usually I don't look forward to that. But this year, I uh, can't wait to uh, for that, that ball to drop. I actually have a smile on my face. Can't wait to put this year behind me. But next year, January 30th, 2021 lakeland florida it's just been announced officially today will be the inaugural great florida bigfoot conference and that will be i said that lakeland florida yeah lakeland florida home of the skunk ape and in attendance uh, so far that i know of is lauren coleman and cliff barrickman and you can find more information at gatherupevents.com forward slash Florida Bigfoot Conference, or just type in Florida Bigfoot Conference. You'll find information. It's the 2020, I mean, come on. Everybody's got Google phones that can understand your voice and suggest ads for things that you talk to your friends about. We know all that stuff. They're listening in all the time. Yeah, skunk ape stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Not too many conferences to talk about. Uh, I haven't had to update my uh, calendar in the last few weeks because uh, nothing's going on. Uh, but... Next Monday, so be prepared next Tuesday. I may not have a voice because uh, Monday night, October 12th, I will be at the Westerville Public Library virtually in spirit and on video and audio. Uh, for my 12th consecutive year, of course, it, it's not going to feel the same. Usually what I do, I know this is corny, uh, but I like to go there and visit my books in the library. It's one of the only libraries in Ohio that has my books. I donated a few, and they bought a couple um, for the library collection. And uh, it's, it's kind of it's kind of like you go there to see your books in the library, but you kind of hope that they're not there. You hope that somebody's got them out. And every now and again, somebody's got them out, which is exciting to me. Uh, but I won't get that chance this year. I'll be sitting at home behind the computer where I'm at right now. So I'll, next week I'm going to be talking cases and places behind the veil of ghost investigation, where I'm going to take you on a journey through uh, some of my most hair-raising cases, some of them that I'm willing to talk about, of course, and some of my personal experiences at uh, other places along the way. As a paranormal investigator, i also talk about uh, technology and methodology behind the investigation process and you can listen in live it's free you don't have to pay for it uh, you can go to westervillelibrary.org and click on the events or you could just go to westervillelibrary.org forward slash events and i'll even throw that at the chat room uh, gently of course as always don't like uh, throwing things at people it's impolite um, Thanksgiving Day in Canada. Is that uh, Monday, I think, right? I don't know. We do have uh, some some Canada stuff tonight. Yeah, Monday. Uh, so that's our... What do I call it? What's that segment called? Um, baffling Briefs? Is that what I call it? Yeah, Baffling Briefs for the week. Oh, no. Anomalous Notes. Sorry. Anomalous Notes. Baffling Briefs. It's all the same thing. Uh, as long as the baffling briefs aren't the ones that you pull out of your top drawer in the morning. Cryptid news. 
Well, of course, uh, you might have heard the news. The big news, it's over. Again, the Loch Ness Monster has been discovered once again for the five millionth time. Of course, uh, no body was discovered, but we, we have pictures this time, so this is exciting. And it's not quite blurry. Not exactly. And it's in color. Uh, multicolors. So, yes, another sighting of the Loch Ness Monster leads things off tonight. It seems like, uh, I don't know, Loch Ness Monster's stories this year have been uh, pretty plentiful. I think there's only been eight official sightings. I, I didn't check today, but... Man, I don't know. He might be uh, might be pushing for number one story. I mean, COVID might uh, might get beat here by the Loch Ness monster stories. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but this wasn't another setting from a webcam. So don't worry about the four mile away pictures, or some small shadow seen in a picture taken a month prior, but of course not seen at the time. Kind of picture. Now this one is solid. Solid evidence by a. a scientific tool and of course yes there is a picture to prove it uh, ronald mckenzie was piloting the spirit of loch ness tour boat last wednesday during a, a pretty dull day with just a dozen passengers on board the catamaran and it's a pretty big catamaran if you've ever seen a, a picture of this thing it's pretty big it can normally hold uh, i think over 200 people so a dozen people that's pretty cool you pretty much pick out what seat you want. You don't have to sit in the, the wet seat uh, all the way in the back. Uh, the passengers were excited to see an eagle when uh, Ronald McKenzie spotted something else a little bit more interesting on the boat's sonar system. And McKenzie explains the setting. He says, quote, it was right in the middle of the lock, about 170 meters to 190 meters, really depending upon the story. Uh, which is about 558 to 628, I'm sorry, 623 feet. Math is a little fuzzy today. Uh, down with the uh, lock is about 300 meters, or that would be 984 feet deep. It's more than 47 meters, that's for sure. Uh, it was big. Well, he didn't say all this, so I, I quoted this, but I'm throwing a lot of extra stuff in there, of course. Uh, he, he went on to say it was big at least 10 meters, which is 33 feet. The contact lasted 10 seconds while we passed over. We have a real state-of-the-art sonar on the new boat. It doesn't lie. It captures what's there. Unquote. Of course, again, he didn't say everything I said, but uh, uh, he said a lot. Uh, so I do have the picture, the official new picture of the Loch Ness Monster. Here it is. And uh, it's in color. It's pretty cool. Uh, but, of course, what you're seeing in the picture uh, is, is a weird picture. So that's not actually the Loch Ness Monster in red. It kind of looks like it with the humps and a big head. But uh, actually, that's the floor and walls, I guess you'd call it, of the lock. And what you're looking at is actually in the center there. You see a bunch of white dots. Those are fish at uh, various depths. And the large white splop... Splop, is that a word? I don't know. It is now. Uh, there in the center toward the bottom, uh, just above the red area, that that is the area of concern. What is that? Again, it's a very large object. The uh, thing is about uh, 30 plus feet across, 10 meters long. It's kind of weird. Some of the fish are pretty big then, really, when you're looking at them. But uh, yeah, the sonar definitely does does not lie it it's, reflects what's down there uh, back to us but uh, a couple of key things they haven't really had the sonar on this system for very long and they don't really use it to find fish usually it's uh i don't know how much i i don't really ride the boat so i don't really know how much they're staring at this thing but it's usually just for navigation purposes uh, but i'm sure they do keep an eye on it for uh giggles to see what they find down there but uh if it's new you know when you have a certain things might happen and some people have popped up uh, when the story has started to make its rounds commenting on this um so again there are fish in this snow sonar snap you see the little white dots there in the middle and what we see the 
the solid white area could be a shoal of fish or basically a fish gathering together, giving themselves a larger footprint on the sonar. Uh, so it's not like taking a picture. So this is sound waves. So it's, it's not exactly like you're taking a picture of the fish underwater. Uh, know anything about Loch Ness, that would be pretty much impossible. It's pretty dark, uh, really heavy sediment. You put your hand in there, and it's gonna, you're not going to see your hand three feet down in the water. So it's not, uh, not the clearest and cleanest looking of water, but it's not, it's not full of garbage or anything like that. It's just the, the area and the, uh, I guess, the landscape around the lock that keeps it uh, very full of all sorts of sediments and fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, it could be a group of fish together. Uh, other people are speculating it could be a sturgeon. But then you might as well just call it the Loch Ness Monster at that point if it's if you think it's a, a big sturgeon. It could be because of the depth involved. But, uh, yeah, my guess would be on gathering fish. But it really doesn't matter what I think or it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because we don't have any way to, to prove anything one way or the other unless you dove down in the water right when that was taking place and uh, tried to see what was going on down there. Granted, you wouldn't be able to see down there, but... We have no way of, of knowing. So this is probably going to go down as an official sighting of the Loch Ness Monster. Again, despite the, uh, the DNA testing that, that was uh, done a couple of years ago now, uh, I don't know. We're, like, like I've said before, Loch Ness Monster will never go away. It'll always be in the news. No matter, even if they drain the Loch Ness and clean it all out and... Uh, there's there's nothing left. There'll still be belief in the Loch Ness monsters. So, the uh, sonar was reviewed by, I don't know if it's in quotes, but uh, some radar, I'm sorry, sonar expert, who claimed that uh, this is definitely uh, a clean capture of something large. But again, the same expert said it could be a shoal of fish, and I've seen the same thing happen on small lakes, where looks like a large object but it ends up if you watch it long enough and you have a decent um, this looks like a really good uh, sonar equipment to see that deep and pretty much that clear well you'll see it dissolve and disappear not just disappear completely uh, so this tells me it wasn't a large object you probably would have seen it uh, maybe one one or two more seconds longer you know it's not just going to disappear but if it's a bunch of fish together they're moving around eventually they're going to dissipate pretty quick you're going to lose that solid object. Uh, so I'm sure they're only reporting what they want to report to uh, help get uh, click-throughs on the story. So uh, at least one sonar expert, and again, that's the finger quotes in the air. I don't know how what his credentials are, but um, how is there really an expert in reading sonar? I don't know. But he was supposedly an expert and said, you know, this is definitely something, a large object, but again, it could be fished together in the water. And we'd have just needed more data for sure to uh, to disprove that it was a one solid object and not a bunch of fish. But again, we'll never know. We'll never know, unless it happens again. And this thing tips over the spirit of Loch Ness, which we really don't want that to happen. All right, well, that's all I have for you. Not for the show. Don't leave yet. It's all I have for the cryptid news. Uh, but we are going to move into UFO news. A little bit of controversy. But before we get to the controversy, we're going to talk about last month's sighting statistics from MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, one of the largest, actually the largest, UFO research and investigation outlets in the world. It's been that way for quite a while now. And earlier this year, I got um, baffled by this, but uh, earlier this year, MUFON recorded some of their highest months of reports. And, of course, uh, I speculated, a lot of other people speculated that uh, this is probably a combination of the fact of, of the COVID lockdowns as well as the mainstream news talking about UFOs with 
the most serious tone we've ever heard. And, you know, I can remember the days of uh, local UFO sightings. I'd stay up late to, to watch it on the news, wondering if they're actually going to talk about it. And they tease it. And then if they have time, um, if the, the weatherman or the sportscaster don't go on and on and on, uh, or they have entered jokes with the, the uh, meteorologist or something, um, they might talk about it. But, of course, they kick on that X-Files theme and they start laughing and giggling about people seeing things and they'll get a tinfoil out and start making fun of it. Uh, but things have changed. That tone has gotten a little bit more serious. and we're, ta- we're seeing actual debates about UFO sightings on mainstream media and mainstream news. Uh, it's actually being taken seriously. And a lot of people, like myself, I'm still getting used to that because it's been so long that it's been ridiculed. Um, and maybe that's made a lot more people more comfortable stepping forward and talking about situations or sightings or uh, other things with UFOs that now they feel more comfortable talking about or reporting to an organization. Uh, so March, way back when, you remember March 2020? seems like so long ago. Uh, 883 total worldwide sightings back then which was the highest amount since early 2017. In April, well, it got even worse. 1,026. This was the highest since mid-2015. Then uh, kind of figured it would kind of cool off a little bit, but it cooled off quite a bit. Uh, it dropped down to 769 total sightings in the month of May, and June, June fell even more. 601. Uh, July, we had a little hope. It jumped back up to 769. Is that right? 769. I'm going to double check my math. Uh, so, yeah, it did jump back up a little bit more and uh, got people excited that maybe, maybe this trend was going to continue. But it, uh, it didn't. It's uh, dropping more and more and more. I lost my place here. Yeah, 601, 769. Yeah, okay. And August cooled off again. Yeah, remember last month I talked about my predictions, how bad I was again. They uh, pretty normal 645 total sightings. Well, last month, I don't know why I keep doing this, but I made my monthly prediction, and I felt that the sighting numbers would drop once again. I figured... Uh, 645 is still pretty much slightly, I mean, it's pretty normal. Depends on what year you're looking at, really. But uh, um, I felt that it was going to drop again, obviously a little bit more. Uh, So my prediction was 612 total worldwide sightings with 489 in the United States. And while I knew things were going to cool off, they stumped me once again. Man, not only did they cool off, the uh, reports turned ice cold. For the f- month of September, MUFON reported a total of 404 sightings. Yikes. Uh, the total sightings had been in the high 400s twice in the last few years, but 404 represents the lowest number in over five years from the organization. So, I don't know. I'm confused. I thought there was uh, record numbers of sightings and all that. I mean, all these news reports saying how record numbers, record numbers. Now 404? What's going on? You know, I'm, I'm not sure what would cause such a dramatic fall off in reports in a year, but the highest total was recorded in the last five years. Uh, but, of course... You know, I instantly thought of some of the big news that's happened with MUFON. And, of course, in mid-July, MUFON Executive Director Jan Harzan was arrested on multiple felonies, which involved child solicitation. So uh, not a good PR campaign for MUFON in mid-July, which kind of trickled into August. But, uh, you know, what about what about September and how did that affect almost two months later? And granted, MUFON's no stranger to controversy, and it's still getting some uh, some good 
statistics. You know, let's talk about that. We, you know, we talked about we're going to be controversial today, so let's throw it out there. Uh, so some controversy. There were some racist rants by a, a number of members uh, over the last few years, including one on social media over a television show by Pennsylvania State Director John Ventry in 2017 that was actually pretty much defended by Jan Harzan uh, with one comment still lingering amongst UFO researchers when he said, quote, who is worse, the person posting or the haters hating, unquote. Uh, yeah, I never, that never really sat right with me either. And uh, this controversy was swept under the rug pretty much by MUFON. And despite removal from the director position, Ventry still held a position in MUFON, most likely due to the fact that he was a large financial donor. And this is kind of rough for me because I know John. And talked to him quite a bit, and I respect him as a researcher. But you know, this this is um, this is different. You know, this is uh, this wasn't personal. This was out there to everybody. It was a, it was a social media rant, and you know, I wasn't offended by it. But I just, to me, you're representing an organization, and it wasn't professional. But not just what he did, but how it was handled within MUFON, I think was worse to me. And that was the reason uh, behind me leaving the organization. And uh, I know a lot of other people who, excellent researchers, just great, great researchers, people that could really help this organization bailed out as well. So it's, uh, yeah, a lot of roles uh, were abandoned in 2018 and pretty much a public relations nightmare which is uh, obviously much worse this year with uh, Jan Harzan's exit. Uh, no, there was no N-word, but uh, it was about, uh, what was that show, that movie, uh, Dear White People? So it was a little racist uh, context with uh, in relation to that movie. But, uh, yeah, with just kind of got sideways here. So is a uh, bad image of MUFON to blame for the low numbers in, in September? I don't know. Like I said, they've been through this before. It really didn't seem to affect the numbers last time. And of course, you know, this year earlier, record numbers. But who knows? I mean, if MUFON refuses to change, if they, um, you know, they, they booted Harzan out, but then if it just kind of stays stagnant. There's a lot of things that uh, that I see in the organization uh, that I would start to change right now. And they've talked about making some big changes within the organization. And all I've seen over the last five years is a logo change, pretty much. That's all I've seen. I've not seen anything else happen in, in this organization. A lot of things need to change. I know uh, they've tried and some things a little outside of their finances, but uh, still. If they don't change, they're going to go to the wayside like all the other UFO research organizations have. And there used to be a lot of them. And there used to be ones bigger than MUFON, and it, those have fallen as well. Granted, that was back in the 1980s when uh, a lot of people gave up on UFOs completely. Uh, and we'll talk about New Fork here in the next segment. But in the meantime, let's look at the sighting statistics from September from MUFON. Again, 404 total sightings, and of those, 313 came from the United States. Now, Canada, thank you. You were next with 28. Not that you're going to answer me, uh, but you're welcome. The United Kingdom had 21. Romania and Germany had four. Australia had three. Uh, Ukraine, Belgium, India, Italy, Malaysia, South Africa, and... Let's not forget the Russian Federation turned in two reports each. And uh, let's see, 17 other countries, I'm not going to name them all, and territories turned in one report each. Thanks for participating. Ooh. So in April of 2019, MUFON reported a total of 354 reports. And that was the lowest total since 343 in April of 2017, uh, which had followed 328 in March, again, also in 2017. So of the 313 United States sightings last month, 
California led the way with a whopping 34. Uh, it's still pretty decent, but for California, that's that's like half. Uh, New York was second with 28. Michigan and Texas had 20 each. Pennsylvania had 17. Florida had 14. Illinois and Washington had 10 each. Uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Kansas, Maine, Oregon, and Arizona had eight each. And South Carolina and Colorado had seven each. And looking at the uh, looking at these numbers here, and looking at the the states that uh, it's pretty predictable. I, I don't see anything significant. Uh, these numbers are so low this month. I'm not even going to bother to break down the numbers to do the per capita stuff. It's it's really meaningless. Uh, it's really insignificant. Uh, nothing close in any of these states really. Uh, that's that's really worthwhile. Not even any major trends here to look at. Uh, quite disappointing. And a, a big disappointing turn to a year that looked very promising for UFO report numbers. And again, uh, you know, all these reports coming up. I read three of them today about how UFO reports are, are on the rise and doubled and tripled and quadrupled from last year. So on and so forth. But none of those are really coming from MUFON. That's all coming from New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center. And uh, let's see. Well, I don't really want to do this, but I'm almost afraid to do this, uh, continue to make my predictions, but I've already written them down. So it's tradition around here. So I'm going to go with, uh, let's see. Do I want to? No, I'll go with what I did. Uh, 439 total worldwide sightings for the month of October and 351 U.S. sightings. Let's see. We got 500 in the chat room. So somebody's going 500. Let me write that down. Um, I don't know. It could. You never know. It could could jump back up. We'll see. Uh, especially if there's any launches, which I think there's uh, a couple of launches this year. And I'm surprised we haven't heard more about uh, Mars because I think October is the launch window to catch Mars. So I don't know. I haven't really heard too much uh, from that from that area of astronomy. Uh, but yeah, I'll go with 439 and 351. 351 being U.S. sightings and 439 total. And we'll see if uh, these sightings can shoot back up a little bit. Uh, last October, the numbers were 540 total with 442 U.S. Uh, but it ranged from all the way from 992 in October of 2015 to last year's low of 540 and uh, 750 back in 2018. So it, it kind of jumps around a lot. But um, see, 2015 was the big year. Is pretty much all year long. It was uh, right around a thousand. Uh, every month, and that was because the TV show Hangar One was on, and the UFOs were getting a little bit of, of media attention, which was uh, a little different than normal. So, yeah, we'll see. We shall see. October, November, December. We'll see if they can. Uh, I really haven't totaled anything this year to see if they're on pace. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know anymore. And again, these sightings. This doesn't mean that all these sightings that I'm talking about were reported that actually happened in the month of September. They could have happened 20 years ago and were just reported now. And that's unfortunately how MUFON still categorizes things. And that's one of those things that they've talked about upgrading is their uh, case management system, which is severely outdated. Um, it's the same as what it was when, when I used to help work, you know, do stuff with them. And I did a lot of research of their sightings and it was easy to manage. I can't get in there now, of course. Um, but yes, yeah, and they've talked about upgrading it and updating it and how expensive it was going to be. And it was like, I don't think it should be that much money. It's, there's things you can do if you know how to write code uh, to make things pretty easy. But uh, granted, there's so many people out there that, that uh, contribute to these things. Uh, but again, you know, I do agree with uh, Doug in the chat room. They are understaffed. There's a lot of positions that are open. A lot of people have left. Uh, especially since uh, Harzan's arrest. Um, a lot of people that uh, 
You know, it's funny because the like I've I've said before, it seems like things are swinging away from the UFO researchers and almost to the government. The government seems to to have a little bit more handle on things now than the private sector, which used to be the other way around. It's like we were always screaming, we want to know that what you know and you know, we have all this data and knowledge and information, but now it's the other way around. It seems like the government is uh, trying to get as much information as they can. And I don't really hear anybody stepping up or doing too much other than that crazy Blink-182 dude who's uh, kind of a, I don't want to call him a laughing stock, but I don't know if he's really helping things. I mean, he claims he is, but I think it's just all for his his ego a little bit more than it is the entire UFO field, personally. That's just how I feel. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. That's that's how I that's how I look at it. I don't think he's really done much um, for the whole field. I mean, he's kind of illegally launched some videos, which is pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. He illegally launched those three videos that uh, ended up being confirmed earlier this year. Uh, which there for a while there was a little speculation that uh, they were being fooled. The uh, To the Stars Academy was being fooled by those things. But, uh, yeah, they were later on confirmed by the government, so they were real. Uh, but all this other metamaterial stuff and the rock pictures getting caught with uh, fake pictures, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what to believe in these guys anymore. Uh, but uh, I, just, I just report on them. So, anyway, talking about UFO sightings, and in the MUFON statistics, I mentioned that sightings might have spiked due to COVID-19 lockdowns, right? But according to an article by Astronomy, that trend is not as it seems. And, uh, you know, the aforementioned, we talked about the National UFO Reporting Center, New Fork. So New Fork is the one really that's stating that all of these states and uh, UFO reports in general are spiking. Uh, so New Fork has reported a spike in cases in the spring, and they feel it is tied to the Pentagon's official release of UFO tapes. And uh, the media was, you know, all that media that was generated by that story, uh, probably in addition to COVID-19. However, uh, astronomy states that another reporting database, MUFON, which we just talked about, the Mutual UFO Network, uh, did not see a trend in spike in cases. Well, I was confused when I read that. Um, because later on in the story, they kind of refute that, which is really weird. I, I don't know if they really realized when they were writing the story. Uh, uh, the Pentagon officially released the videos, which were readily available, again, to the public, like I mentioned, at the end of April. And April saw the largest spike in MUFON cases in five years. Then again, May did have a drop-off, uh, 759 cases, and uh, from the 1,026 in April and 759 in May. And then the third highest total for 2020 after March is 883. Um, and again, April's 1,026. But so, yeah, kind of it spiked and then fell down. But even those incredible numbers don't tell the reality that's happening behind the scenes. Again, so it's not like UFO numbers have spiked. It's just reports. So this could have happened five years ago, 50 years ago. Uh, could have happened the month prior. It doesn't mean that the months are doing it. To me, it's just a reflection of how many re people are writing in a report. It doesn't mean that it's actually happened in that month. Um, but again, it doesn't tell the reality behind the scenes. So it really doesn't contradict the astronomy article. Uh, they do state that the National UFO Reporting Center did encounter a large spike in the spring, but after these high months, those numbers went back to 2019 levels, which have been lower than they've been in the last decade. So a little jump start, but then back down to normal numbers, which, again, have been trending downward. Uh, MUFON's Steve Hudgens, who is the International Director of Investigation, states that overall cases have been declining over years. While the numbers have fluctuated over the last five years uh, that I've been keeping a close eye on, uh, you can see an average annual decline over that period of time. It's not major, uh, but it's enough to notice. 
And MUFON has been tracking UFO sightings since 1969. But uh, what about other stories being published that state that UFO sightings are on the rise? Uh, the Wall Street Journal had a headline that read, UFO spotting has replaced birdwatching as pandemic obsession. Even over the weekend, New York claims to have had an, an increase of UFO sightings of uh Let's see, the New York Post stated sightings were up 51% during the pandemic. But again, all those stats, if you read those stories, they're all coming from New Fork. Not really move on. Uh, Steve Hudgens, again, has noted that despite an increase in the number of UFO reports, there's also been a larger spike in reports that are easily explainable. Uh, Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute, feels that many UFO sightings are a result of the fact that most people rely on their cell phone as their main source of evidence. These devices do not have a mechanical shutter, which results in smearing of moving objects. He says that birds become cigar-shaped objects and bugs become hypersonic UFOs since they don't realize they're right in front of the camera. I don't think it's all just the cell phone. I think there's a lot of perception issues. And I do think that sometimes uh, people will know something that's going on, but they'll still report it as a UFO or fool other people into reporting it as a UFO as they as a goof because somebody sees something, oh, let's say the Goodyear blimp, they're pretty sure it's the blimp and they see it kind of far away and they film it and they put it on social media. Well, of course, other people see this. Uh, maybe they look outside and see it, or maybe they don't even see it, uh, but they they take that experience as their own, and then they end up reporting it. I think that happens quite a bit as well, where people are fooled by the other people, the other fools out there that are reporting things. Uh, so I think social media has a little bit to do with it, um, just as much as maybe as, yeah, I agree, uh, cameras, uh, cell phones. And again, people really can't see things as well as they think they can on a little cell phone. So it's uh, a little misleading. Plus, they, they don't act like normal cameras uh, in some regards, especially with the speed, unless you have a pretty good camera. Um, but no, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of other factors, such as the, all these launches and the um, you know these little satellites that are zipping around all over the place. Thanks, Elon, for these, uh, these Starlink satellites that are fooling people. Uh, there's been a lot more launches this year in, in different places. So uh, we do see a spike in UFO settings when there's a lot of launches. And we've seen this trend with the Starlink satellites since last year. And I think uh, that's an, also a big factor that's a little bit overlooked as well. If you look at the dates of launches, uh, usually a month later, there's a little bit of itty-bitty spike. And some of those states are pretty high as well, usually like California and Florida tend to lead the UFO sightings. Uh, so that tells you all you need to know right there. Granted, California has the largest population, uh, but of course, uh, sometimes, the, you know, just because you have a large population doesn't mean that you can't be fooled. And let's see, one last story in the UFO arena. Let's call it arena. Is it an arena? I don't know, field. We'll call it the field. UFO field. I don't know if you've seen this yet. It came out today. I was hoping to debut in theaters this fall, but now it's streaming uh, as of today. The uh, the Phenomenon, a documentary of 70 years worth of UFO history with some never-before-seen footage and interviews officials such as former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, President Clinton's White House Chief of Staff John Podesta, former Deputy Undersecretary for Defense Intelligence Christopher Mellon, and former U.S. Energy Secretary and New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson. Uh, you can find it on Amazon for $14.99, which is uh, eventually where I'm going to watch it. I don't know if you have to have Prime for that, though. Uh, it's on Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, and uh, a few other places. You can head over to the Phenomenon Film. That's all one word. Thephenomenonfilm.com. And you click on the watch now button and uh, it'll pop up with some more uh, some more options for you to view that if you've not seen it or you're interested in, in watching that documentary I don't know how long it is 
I guess like two hours or something like that. Uh, but I, I plan on watching it sometime, probably between here and the weekend, hopefully. So there in the chat room, thephenomenonfilm.com, there's a link for you. If you want to click that and uh, check out where you can watch that. It's a shame, though, it didn't come out in the theaters. It's kind of hoping to see how that would actually do. Uh, now that uh, UFOs have become a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more down-to-earth, pun intended. Uh, so let's go to Ghost News. And it's officially October, in case you weren't aware, in case you, you need to update your calendar, flip the page. Yeah, and again, we're just three weeks away from Halloween. I'm kind of excited this year for it. Uh, the weather's changing. I'm, I'm not a big fan of fall, not a big fan of cold rainy wet weather uh, but i do love halloween it's a fun time of the year it reminds me of the good old days when people in the ghost field were not taken seriously all year long except for october we became rock stars for only a week but now we're pretty much rock stars all year round so it's kind of boring with that um but yeah there's a lot of uh a lot of stuff floating around. I've, I've noticed that uh, I think Illinois is the only state that uh, is not uh, celebrating Halloween. Closed haunted houses. Not, nobody's going there. Uh, we don't have, we have some restrictions here in Ohio, uh, but there is Halloween in uh, at least where I work and where I live. Two totally different places. And, you know, there are some restrictions. There's some Haunted houses that have closed for the year, but there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, not quite business as usual. Obviously, you have to wear a mask, and um, you got to spray yourself with all that smelly stuff and wash your hands every seven seconds. So, you know, things have changed a little bit, but I think we're kind of all used to some of these things now for the most part. I, see, I still see people in public struggling with the mask thing, though. I can tell you don't wear it a lot. I know, um, but I can tell all the people that, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me to wear a mask all day anymore. It just, it's, I thought about it this morning going to work. It's just, you know, I'm just used to it. It's something you do now. Um, let's see. So, yeah, there's a lot of articles coming out. Usually stuff gets dusted off and updated, uh, finished up, headed to the Internet. Uh, coming soon, I'm sure. It's uh, beginning of August. I'm sorry, beginning of October. So a lot of scary articles and stuff about Halloween and blah, blah, blah coming out. I say blah, blah, blah. It's the same stuff every year, it seems like. Um, but uh, there's also a focus on news that deals with all things scary. And there's one particular story that grabbed my attention due to the subject matter. And I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, and it's something that seemingly no one can ever agree on. It's funny to bring this subject up. Uh, if you've ever had the fortunate uh, time to go to a, a, on a ghost investigation with a ghost group or have a ghost group, um, there's always a, a moment where you're talking about uh, experiences and you're talking shop, you're talking about tools, you're talking about methodology. And, you know, you kind of go back and forth with some stuff. And there's always a kind of a, a layer that you agree on and a little bit you don't. And on every topic, you, yeah, 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 I, I do that. But, yeah, we don't do that, though. And then you get to Ouija boards. And it's 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 almost like you, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Where one side of the room is going to be completely against it, 100%. Like, no, my gosh, I, I, can't even, I can't even be in the same room with you if you've ever used one. And then the other part of the people will be like, dude, it's a game. Calm down. But... Uh, Paul Masters, who is a member of the True Paranormal Events UK group that specializes in ghost tours, went to the media last week as he was astounded. That's my word. Uh, but the British, they like to say gobsmacked. Not godsmacked, not the band. Gobsmacked. That's the big word over there, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, that Ouija boards. And yeah, I say Ouija. I must be in the minority here in the United States. I guess everyone else says Ouija. I thought we settled that with that movie. Didn't that movie say Ouija? 2014, I thought that came out. Um, 
that these uh, Ouija boards are for sale at Poundland. I never heard of Poundland, but it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, Poundland is a British variety chain uh, store chain that's uh, essentially it's a dollar store, pretty much. And kind of made me laugh because I, I remember I should have bought it. I, I still beat myself up to this day. But I have a nice Ghostbusters mug right here. Uh, they had a Ouija board mug, you know, plastic mug with a plastic straw. I really wanted to buy it. I didn't. I took a picture of it, though, and I advertised it. It was at uh, Five Below. And a bunch of other people bought it, and I was jealous. I still want one. I still haven't seen one. Ah, I'll have to visit there. Maybe they'll have them this year. Yes, Ouija boards. I know everyone out there has an opinion one way or the other, and it seems like no one's ever in the middle. Yeah, you know, maybe there's demons involved, but probably not. No, it's either, my gosh, burn everything, burn the house, burn the city, burn the state, uh, if you've used the Ouija board. And uh, again, on the other half, it's a game. It's plastic. It's cardboard. What can it do to you? So I'll try to do my best to stay in the middle of this argument. So I, I normally try to do as best I can. But I think I think I might end up, uh, I think you're going to see what side I stand closest to by the end of the story. Uh, but first, let's listen to what Mr. Masters had to say about Poundland selling Ouija boards. So he feels that only a trained medium should handle a Ouija board. And if someone else handles them, they can release deadly demons. Not just regular demons, deadly demons. Uh, he says, quote, Ouija boards are most certainly not a toy and should not be available for kids to buy in pound shops for Halloween. Mind, adults are not trained in how to use them. It does not matter if they're plastic or wood. If the planchet spells out the word Zeus, it is a demon trying to come through, and you should not even say the name. Uh, oops, I just said the name. Uh, never mind continuing to communicate with it, unquote. Sounds like he was yelling when he said all this. Uh, he continues as he says, quote, All hell could break loose if the demon attaches itself to anyone and follow them around. Nasty spirits can scratch and attack people. It should not be messed with as people could get seriously hurt. So I was gobsmacked when I saw that Poundland were selling these Ouija boards and was so profoundly shocked and just fuming, really. Unquote. He sounds mad. He needs a hug. Chocolate shake. I don't know. Something. Uh, the article goes on to say that the boards destroy people's lives. And this is according to members of the paranormal community, which, you know, all-knowing, because they're all experts. Uh, also, he's not just unhappy they're selling the boards. He's also upset because it's almost Halloween, which kind of confused at first, and it kind of dawned on me. Uh, Paul explains, quote, on Halloween night, the veil into the spirit world is very thin, and people are buying these Ouija boards just for Halloween so I dread to think what will happen when these boards are in the wrong hands, unquote. So, yes, um, people will buy these boards on October uh, 4th or 5th, and they'll just sit around until October 31st. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not going to tinker with it before that. Right. Uh, a spokesman for Poundland stated that the boards were marked as uh, for adults only, and they were blocked from being sold to minors at the register. Now, the boards were sold as part of the Halloween decor in only 90 of the 800-plus stores, but are now all sold out. Of course they are. Of course they are. 90 stores, and this guy's all bent. Uh, first, be as tactful as I can. Let me address the thinning of the veil. Uh, I've heard this a lot and had this discussion I don't know. I don't know why people believe this stuff, but it's like it's 2020. It's not 1620. I don't get it. Uh, if this was a real thing, uh, the veil getting thin and ghosts running amok, I'm pretty sure. You know, at least maybe scientists would have noticed a lot of ghosts running around. We would have noticed it. Um, a lot of people becoming possessed. Uh, this concept actually comes from cultural traditions such as the Mexican Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos, 
and the Aztecs and even Native Americans who have celebrated the dead. Uh, but it's kind of a symbolic thing. So as the fall consumes the land, basically, is, is, it's kind of a metaphor. Is that a metaphor? I'm not sure. Uh, but it's kind of a symbolic gesture, uh, more so than a feared reality. It's not like actually happening. It's just our perception. Uh, but again, this is what's told to children. So children grow up and sometimes they still believe in Santa Claus. Um, so the crops and the landscape seem to die as the oncoming winter approaches. It's symbolism. And then, of course, in the spring, things are rebirth, reborn. So it's about death and rebirth. Not a dimensional slip letting ghosts run amok on Earth for only like 24 to 48 hours, and then you guys got to go. I mean, it's just, it's silly. I mean, when you think about it. Really? So if Ouija boards are so dangerous, you know, letting devils and uh, possessing people and all these violent and bad things that, that supposedly happen, because everyone's got a story or four, that, uh, yeah, my second cousin, Anne Marie's neighbor's, landscaper used the Ouija board and his brother's uncle's mother's um, friend down the street uh, died in a car accident like a month later so of course you know it's got to be it's got to be demons of course it's demons uh, I mean if they're so dangerous how in the world would anyone be actually able to sell them wouldn't the government step in and say no can't sell these because 5,000 people are possessed every every year, and only in October, of course, near Halloween. Um, I mean, wouldn't manufacturers be banned from creating these things that people's lives are really in danger? You know, is there anything to substantiate all these claims? Well, while I'm asking questions, is it, is it true that you have to be trained to use a Ouija board? I've never been trained. I, I've used uh, Ouija boards a lot. I've never been trained. <clears throat> never read a book. Never took a class. I don't have my Ouija board certification that I got online. I don't have it. But where do you go? I mean, how does one become certified to use a Ouija board? I guess it's because you have to be able to seal the dimension or seal things off or be able to zap a ghost. But I don't know. Uh, but a, a real psychic will tell you that's, that's silly nonsense, to be honest with you. Um, and there's very few of those out there. I've met a few. I've seen a lot of fakes as well, but I've uh, known personally a few that were uh, pretty close to as genuine as you can be, and they would laugh about the Ouija board stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't understand. How do you get trained or certified? And how is it that places like Walmart sell them online all year round, especially in October? Might be on a rollback. Uh, and let's see, Walmart, they have at least 10 different types, by the way. They have mats, they have boards, different kind of boards. I don't see the pink one anymore. Uh, the Ouija board debate, this isn't something new. It's been around for quite a while. Uh, even back in the height of popularity in the early 1900s, people were concerned. Uh, it's not exactly, you know, I hear people argue and they say, it's a child's game. Well, it wasn't really marketed as a child's game more of a young adult game. It was actually, early on, it was uh, a uh, good alternative to going out to the movies so for dating purposes. Um, let's see. Uh, 1923 million boards were sold. And in 1922, it outsold the board game Monopoly. I'm sure you've got one of those in your closet. Uh, this was still the time of the age of spiritualism, which, uh, again, started back in 1850 with the Fox sisters. Uh, but it was still around in the early 1900s. And it was just uh, viewed as just another divination tool. It wasn't anything special or scary or outrageous. It was pretty commonplace, actually, uh, as were table tipping sessions, table turning sessions. Uh, it was kind of a little bit before the PK party thing that was more in the 70s that was a hip time uh but there was a lot of other things crystal reading tarot cards all this stuff it was all the same and ouija boards weren't looked as anything more scary or different it's just something that you actually um were part of versus some of these other things you go into a medium 
you're really just kind of sitting there. Um, but again, just another divination tool. And what's weird about all that is all the people that were using this, so millions of people using Ouija boards back in the early 1900s, I mean, strangely enough, people were not becoming possessed or having bad luck or people weren't dying in droves. And there wasn't a whole lot of deadly demons controlling their lives back then, which is really weird. Until, well, let me hold on to the until for a second here. So also during this time of popularity is when it began. So the uh, churches and specifically the Catholic Church, but even the Christian churches, yeah, they'd be kind of wishy-washy. They kind of go back and forth on it. Depends on who you're talking about. But the Catholic Church, my goodness, uh, they attacked the board full throttle in the early 1900s. They used to buy uh, billboards. There were cities, I think it was like Philadelphia, where they owned every single billboard and proclaimed uh, different things uh, amongst those things. Ouija boards. Uh, was was a uh, was a sin. You shouldn't use one. And did talk about demons, possessions, and all these other things. And you have to be trained to use it. That's really where it came from, the Catholic Church, because they were the authority on Ouija boards. At least they said they were. And so that's kind of the root of where some of these things came from. And this attack continues to this day. As a matter of fact, if you can go on. Uh, again, specifically Catholic websites and type in Ouija board, and there's going to be an anti. Ouija board message that's going to say all the same stuff that's been said for over a hundred years. But it's not about the danger of using one. They'll say that. But in reality, they said all these things. They had no they had no real claim. It's because it's a divination tool, not because it's a Ouija board. But really any divination tool used is uh, is a sin. So the Ouija boards were the most famous one. So that was the one targeted the most. But it was all the same. You know, using, uh, doing table tipping, you could summon the, uh, the devil or demons. But again, the Ouija board was the focus. So that's the one that got attacked the most. So that's the one now that we look at as being the worst. And I'll talk more about what's the difference between that and uh, you know, crystals and dousing and all that other stuff. It's actually pretty much the same thing. Um, but again, it wasn't because of the danger. It was the it was the guilt, messages of guilt for using divination tools. And the harm it can bring one in their family. So it was really meant to scare people. Imagine that. Religion scaring people. Uh, it's meant to scare parishioners back to the pews. Pretty much plain and simple. Uh, I not beat around the bush. That's pretty much what it's for. Uh, they, they want to dissuade you from using divination tools, and they want you to come to church so they can tell you uh, different things instead of you finding out stuff on your own. Uh, public perception uh, started to change back in that time. There was a little bit of, I don't know, I guess you call it divide uh, about the Ouija board, but it wasn't that bad. You know, it was these constant messages from, from the Catholic and other churches telling you it was evil, started to kind of wear a little bit on the public image. And of course, you know, going through world wars and things kind of changed things. Spiritualism kind of died out. Uh, parapsychology came into its own in the 1930s. So there's a little bit more focus on the scientific aspect. So Ouija boards kind of took a backseat. It kind of became just a, uh, a pastime, if you will. Uh, but people still bought them. People still used them. That was until... 1971, and that's when the book The Exorcist came out. And uh, the book and the subsequent movie, of course the movie, because nobody reads books even back in the 70s, uh, 1971 and 1973 respectively, really pretty much overnight is really when the heavy swing changed. Uh, the public perception of Ouija boards drastically changed with this movie. It's pretty much the marker where people really slowed way down on buying these things. That's when the fear began. Uh, yes, a movie is largely responsible for the negative public image of what these boards are purportedly capable of. 
again, along with the Catholic and other churches who don't want people to consult a $20 piece of cardboard instead of passing the plate around. I told you there's some controversy tonight. So is there really fear in using a Ouija board? Well, the board works on what's called unconscious muscular action, or popularly known as the idiomotor effect. So our hands placed lightly on the planchet will move it around as if by magic. Although what is happening is because of our minds and our bodies and our expectation of what should happen. And this was actually discovered in the mid-1800s by a guy named Michael Faraday, who's celebrated in the ghost field uh, and has been reconfirmed numerous times since. So there's no, nothing magical about it. It's just one of the earliest methods of fooling our senses, which has continued into the 2020 uh, with all these gadgets and tools, radio sweepers. Uh, it's just a, a, a newfound, fangled way of divination tool that fools the mind uh, random word generators, even EVPs, pendulums, crystals, table tipping, table turning. It's really all the same thing. It's just more fancy now with batteries and lights than it used to be back in those times. It's really all the same thing when you strip it down. You're asking questions, you're looking for a response, and you're using a medium in between. Whether it's a, a battery-operated EMF detector or a cardboard and plastic Ouija board, it's all the same thing. It really is. People will argue with me till they're till they're blue in the face, but in reality, it's all the same thing. So asking a, a ghost to light up an EMF detector, no different than asking something to spell something using your fingers. Uh, I could go on and on and on. I even had a book of the week tonight, but uh, kind of running out of time, and I want to kind of wind it down a little bit. I need to calm down. Whew, all wound up. So that is your show for this week. We may continue this. Next week, I do have a, a smashing, gobsmacking book of the week, but uh, I'm going to hold on to that until next week. And as for next week, I will see you then. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, and the hair standing on the back of your neck. You better check and see if that Ouija board moved in the closet. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.